0: Well, heart for the house. This whole month has been about falling in love with the house. You know, I was um, in February of 1977, on the 23rd of February, I was in a party. It was two months before I graduated high school, and I was, in a, I was in a party, which we did all the time. We partied. We didn't know anything else to do, so we just partied. And uh, I was in the back bedroom of this house, and I had mixed some things, and I was wasted. And I was really kind of, in, the, in that moment, I was really actually afraid for my life, I'd never been before. And it was in this moment, because of some things that I had mixed, some liquid and other stuff that I had mixed and consumed, in that moment I remember telling God, get me out of this. And I don't know what I'll do after that, but just get me out of this, you know? And uh, in, in the next probably 30 minutes, my whole body sobered up, and it kind of shocked me, and and it made me start thinking about God and who God was, and so I had had different. I had I had no church past other than when I was just a kid, maybe at five or six years old, in a in a Sunday school class in some church somewhere, but other than that you know, going to funerals or weddings. I had never graced the doors of churches. And um, there's some people that had shared things with me about God. And so I just, in a real, you know, nonchalant way, started just trying to find out a little bit about God over the next couple of months before my graduate, my high school graduation. And I you know, I just would ask people questions, but I didn't, I didn't want them to think I was interested. I was just asking questions because the thing, this thing just kind of shocked me about sobering up when I asked God to get me out of this. And uh, I got invited after my graduation, you know, and this, this experience that I actually date my salvation to on the 23rd of, of February This experience really messed up my high school graduation, you know, because all of a sudden I had conviction. There was just some things that I couldn't do, and I tried to do certain things, you know, on graduation night and all, but it just ruined it. I mean, just absolutely ruined all my fun, you know, and all my anticipation and expectation. But not too long after that, before I went to college, I left for college in August, but before. That I was invited to a, to a conference in a little town in New Mexico called Truth or Consequences. <laughs> Truth or Consequences, that's the name of the town. Two big lakes there. We used to do a lot of water skiing there when I was young. And uh, I got invited to this conference on, 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 the, on the lake. And uh, a lot of you don't probably know who this man is, but uh, the guest speaker at this conference was Charles Caps, <laughs> and, and I remember walking in there, and you know, I, I was kind of a long-haired, whatever kind of looking guy, and I'm walking in, and this guy's got a crew cut. And I'm thinking, guys with crew cuts are mean. <laughs> That's all I, could. I I related guys with crew cuts as being mean. They were just mean. They told you what to do. I don't want nobody to tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. But he started teaching and ministering. Over, I was there for three days, and I thought I was in prison. But something happened, my eyes began to be opened up, and he began to share things. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, either he's not telling the truth, or somebody's been lying to me. Because what this guy's saying has no connection whatsoever to any information that I've ever received, nothing. He was talking faith. But during that time, one of the things I remember him talking about was the church, and, I mean, all, all I could think of the church as being is, a, is some boring, dead place, because every time I'd ever been in a church, it was boring, and it was dead, and there was nothing appeared to be happening. That didn't mean that there wasn't, that was just my perception. But he kept talking about the church, and all I could think about was a building, and the things he was saying about the church didn't make sense to me, didn't, didn't compute the things that he was saying about the church. He was talking about faith in God, but he began to talk about that we're the church. You know, man, and I, I just, my, you know, my head just, my thinking, it just went tilt. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't get it. But, oh my gosh, at the end of that, that conference, he made a statement to me that has literally changed my life. And he said this. He said, there are things that I've said today that you probably don't understand or agree with. But he said, every single time you ever hear the word preached, say it with your own mouth. I may not understand it, but I receive it in Jesus' name. Wow. Changed my life. Because... For over 35 years, I don't know how many years it's been now, but long time. For a long time that I've been saved, I've been born again. Every time I hear the word preached, I say it with my own mouth. I may not totally understand that, but I receive it in Jesus' name, and it will change my life. And that's what the word does. But what the word does is it reveals to us what is the heartbeat of God. And what Jesus came to this earth to do was to build his church. He said, I will build my church on the rock of revelation of who I am on the inside of an individual person, and then collectively as they come together, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. And I'm telling you today, as we've dedicated this whole month of September, the theme has been falling in love with the house. Fall started this month and and we're falling in love with an understanding of the house and in the previous messages, if you weren't here, it'd be good for you to go back and listen to those messages but in in just in the previous messages we talked about <clears throat> out of the Old Testament and first kings where in second Kings, where David, Solomon said that David, his father, had had a desire to build the house. And God said, my eyes and my heart are in and on my house, perpetually, meaning forever. Well, when we step into the New Testament in 1 Timothy 3 and 15, the Bible says that The house of God is the church, the pillar of truth. The house of God is the church, the pillar of truth. Ephesians 1 and verse 21 and 22, it says that the Father gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. So the house where God's heart is is, in and his eyes are upon. The house is the church, which is his body in the earth. And according to Matthew that we mentioned a minute ago, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. I'll build my church. There is such a deep-seated desire Inside of me, for humanity, for people to understand the church. Something that grows in me all the time. You know, Paul said, in this life, there is much persecution. But he said, be of good cheer because because Jesus has overcome in this life, and because he's overcome, we overcome. The more you understand the revelation of the church, and you you apply yourself to the church, with that comes great persecution. The, the, because, see, the devil doesn't really matter. He, he, it doesn't really matter to him whether you're born again or you're not born again. Whether you go to heaven or hell it doesn't really matter. But what he wants is to us for us to live defeated, and. And be a people that do not believe that what God has promised, He's able to perform. That's what He once manifested in the earth day to day. Because if you don't believe in the promises of God, and you don't see the promises of God manifesting in your life, and you don't see the ability to come through persecution and obstacles in life, then you won't share how great God is with other people. You keep it to yourself because you don't believe in it because you don't see the manifestation. See, that's the church. When, 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 when Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16, he said, you know, who do, who do people say that I am? Said, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets. Why? Why? Because, because people thought he might be one of those prophets because he had done mighty things. You know, he had done mighty works because those guys had done some, some works and manifestation. But for 400 years leading up to the time that Jesus came to the earth, There had been no miracles, no manifestation of anything. So all of a sudden, everywhere he went, there were manifestation, there were miracles, there were healings, things changed. And what he was trying to get over to the people was that it it wasn't the miracles that he wanted them astonished with. He wanted them to understand what he was establishing in the earth and what he was bringing back to the earth was the connection between the Father and humanity that was lost in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and establish and set up what God created as the church and the thing that His whole passion and heart is about. God's heart and His eyes are on His house, and His house is His church, and the church is the body of Jesus Christ. And he said it's that way perpetually forever. Old Testament, New Testament, I don't care, you know, Fun Testament, anytime, anywhere. You know, one, one end to the other. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He'll never change. And He's about His house, and He's about the church. And to develop the passion and heart for the house is something that you and I have to be taught. It's like I told you when when I was. When I I was 17, 18 years old and turned 18 right at the time that I got born again, the only thing that I could attribute to the church was a building. And and, and I didn't like those buildings. They scared me. I wasn't scared of much, but I I I was scared of the inside of the church. I mean, I didn't like them. I was afraid of them. I didn't like to go in there and, you know, when there was a funeral or something, you know, I don't, oh, I mean, I just hate it. You know, I mean, I went a couple of times because I had to or because somebody really wanted me to, but I didn't like it because I was afraid of those places because I didn't understand it. And and most people, why, why why would you invest in something that you don't have a passion or believe in? You won't title of my message, subtitle of my message today is investing in the house, but you won't invest in something that you don't believe in, and you won't believe in something that you don't know about, and this, this place, th- this place here, in, in itself, we realize is just a big room, Okay? But when you understand the whole process of why we're here and how God gave us this property and and everything that we've gone through, to understand that we've talked about that a lot this year because we've been leading up to this day and this, this will be a day, a specific day once a year where you have an opportunity to give into and sow into something that you believe in, but like I said, you won't invest in something you don't believe in. So one of the reasons that this year we've been talking so much about the house, the church, the body of Jesus Christ, and understanding that you personally is so that you will get behind and not only invest, you know, your time and show up here on service times, but financially you'll invest in that. And a lot of people... And I'm going to say some things today that maybe some of you, this won't, this won't touch you, but some of you just need to hear it, okay? There's a lot of people that think, and, and there are, it's not an exaggeration, there are a lot of people that think that the church is out, they want you to come in the doors here, the church meaning us, or I'll just say me. And we want you to come in the doors because we want to get your money. There's a lot of people that think that, more than you think. You know across the board, the latest statistic of how many people in the United States of America that attend church that are tithers is less than 6% of people that go to church. Now, why would a pastor bring something like that up today? Because he's going to put you under you know, condemnation and if you're not a tither going to make you tithe. All you got to do is just not show back up. You don't have to tithe. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. Right? What troubles me about that is that the tither to the tithe the windows of heaven are open, one that that blesses God and honors God in the tithe because you believe it, not going through the motions of just taking 10% of your income and putting it in a basket when the basket goes by because you feel like you feel obligated or maybe God will be mad at you. If you think that, keep it. And that the devourer is rebuked on your behalf from devouring your life. See, that's what troubles me. When I hear 6%, that troubles me, that troubles me for humanity because you, you know the enemy devours in a lot of different ways. And there are a lot of people in the planet that, ha- that make this statement, you know? It seems like if it's not one thing, it's another thing. This breaks, that happens, this thing doesn't work out, all this, if it's not one thing, it's something else. But when you're a tither, you have the ability to honor God and acknowledge God, and he said, put me in remembrance that I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing that there's not room enough to receive. It's something that has to become a part of you. Long since 1977, that first weekend in truth or consequences, I began to find out about something that I'd never known before. I knew nothing about what the church, it was just a building. and We thank God for this building, but first and foremost, we're the church, okay? But where does the church gather and how important is it for us to gather in this place? How important is it for us to have a place like this to be able to gather? In a couple of weeks, we've got a big concert here that... that People from our community are going to come and kind of spy out our place. Maybe some people that wouldn't come here any other time, and they come in here for a concert. There's people that have been married in this building and many more weddings in the days ahead that will be done here in in, in this building. More opportunities for this building and property to be used to be a blessing to our city. How important is that? I say it's real important. And I want you to understand how important it is, and today, once a year from here, we've never done this before, but from here on out, once a year, we're giving you the opportunity to sew into what this building represents to the completion of this, uh, of this building. Do, do you have my, a few of my slides up there for the different projects that we have? We, we've shown these, I think, three or four times, but w- one of the projects, go to the next one. One of the projects that we have is finishing what we have inside of this building that has not been finished. The city allowed us into the building and, and in what we did have finished and just had to had to section off other parts and make sure that that those were closed off so people couldn't get into those, but they're not finished. There's a... There's, 7,000 square feet upstairs up here that's not finished, and there's a on the other side of that wall is a dining room and a kitchen, commercial kitchen in there that's not finished, and the picture of the hallway here, those four classrooms down the hallway, they look finished because the doors are pretty, but inside of there they're not finished, and and that's what's left with the building, and one of our first projects is to finish those four classrooms and some of the other things in the building here that need to be finished. And if you've been here long, you've driven through our gate, you can tell that things aren't finished, right? You drive up here in the parking lot and you can just tell we have a piece of parking and we've got trucks. This is Texas, so we've got a lot of trucks, you know, and you can park you know, on the other side of the parking lot. So there's a lot of parking out there that's not finished. There's some landscaping and things that aren't finished. And, you know, you may think that we've never thought of that, but we think about it every day when we drive by it. And so the things that need to be finished, is it important that this place looks good? One of the things that God showed my wife and I is that we could carry this thing with our faith, but it's something that we've got to do and not rob you of being able to invest into completing this place because it's important. And I, and I believe it's important. I believe it's, it's the right thing to do to not just have a half-finished place, but to finish it. We've been in this building for two years, and we had aspirations of having certain things finished In two years in, and it just didn't work that way. We had some complications getting in, and we don't talk a lot about that. We had some complications getting into the building with our city, and it's nothing against our city in any way we bless our city, but there's just codes and things that you have to measure up to that we didn't know anything about and cost a lot of extra money than what we thought it was gonna take to get in the building. But, you know, like the Apostle Paul said, he said, many of the persecutions that come against the righteous, but my God delivers me from all of them. And when there's persecution or things that come against you, then the challenge is what are you going to do with what you're challenged with? If, if it doesn't just fall into place and everything just works out, what are you going to do, fall down on the ground and start crying and bawling, or are you going to get up and do something with it, you know? And learn to walk maybe paths that you've never walked before. And if, if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's not easy. It's a difficult thing. And, I, and 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 I want you to understand today sharing something one of the reasons we didn't have an opportunity to sow into our building and our place here in the past 24 years we, we never received an offering for anything we've ever done here. Not one time. can anybody tell me different? We've never received an offering in 24 years for anything that we've done. We've given the opportunity to honor God in the tithe and just sowing seed, but we've never received an offering like we're doing here. And one of the reasons is I was uncomfortable with it. So if the head's uncomfortable, then, well, we're not going to do it, right? And I was uncomfortable because of the fact that I'd always been conscious of not wanting to be labeled from this pulpit or this church as a church that was trying to get something from you always wanted to be, and we've always preached from the perspective that God is trying to get things to you. So when we're today opening up this day as Heart for the House Offering Day and giving you the opportunity to sow into at least the first project that we showed here. We've got five other projects on on the heels of that, but we're going to finish our first project and then go into the next projects as we've talked about this year. As, As we're giving you the opportunity... To sow into it, it's, it's you being able to give into something that you receive back to be able to give again. So it's God getting things to you, not taking from you. And I want to leave you with that today. I'm not done, but I want to leave you with that today in, 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 in what I'm sharing. And I want to make sure that you leave here thinking that that's who we are. It's very important. But it's more important for me to share this with you today and get this information out to you so that you can make the choice. And the choice you make will be between you and God, not between you and anybody else. And nobody will judge or condemn you for anything you do or you don't do. We're giving you the opportunity to sow into something that is great because we believe that this, this place is great. We believe that God gave us this place. And we believe that we're here to be not just a blessing to people inside of this building, but you're empowered to go outside of this building and being a blessing to our community. Amen. And everywhere that you go, because where you go, I don't go, and vice versa. We have the opportunity to to create an atmosphere of a love for God because of what's in us, and then we're able to invite people here and bring people and allow them to be a part of what God is doing at at Gates of the City. So just gave you a little bit of information, a little review of this month, and some things that I, I just felt like were important for you to hear. And I want you to turn, if you have your Bible, I'm going to end with this today, in Exodus 35. <clears throat> Exodus 35. And this is, I'm not going to read all of this, but um, this is when Moses and the children of Israel were building the tabernacle to God. <clears throat> in other words, the house of God for God they were building in the wilderness. And Moses taught them about the purpose in the previous chapters, he taught them about the purpose of the tabernacle and why they were building it under the instruction of, from God. And in verse 4, it says, And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Now, now watch who he's talking to. Whoever is of a willing heart, Let them bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold or silver or bronze. And as you read through this chapter, and like I said, we're not going to read all the way through this. But as you read through this, there were all different kinds of articles that they brought. And they also brought talents and abilities to honor before the Lord. But notice he said this, and he says this seven times. Seven different times in this chapter. He talks about either those of a willing heart are those whose hearts stirred them to give and to sow the seed. Those who are of a willing heart, not forced or coerced or or pressured or, you know, looked down upon or any of those kind of things. Those who had a willing heart and those whose hearts stirred them because they had a heart and a passion for what the house was accomplishing what the purpose that God gave Moses, and as Moses taught them and he ministered to them, what God said the purpose of the tabernacle was for, then their heart and those whose hearts stirred them, and those who had willing hearts, they gave into the completion of the tabernacle. They'd already started the tabernacle, but they gave towards the completion of it. And I believe that's what we're doing here today. That's what this is about from here on out once a year, is being able to sow into the completion of not only this place, but anything else we build on this property. We have 122 acres here. Some of you may know that or not know that. That's a lot of property, be able to build a lot of things here. And we we want you to have the opportunity to know what it is and what our future holds and what the purpose is, as we, uh, and in the in the six projects that we have to complete this place and the grounds around it, and what the purpose and plan is, we've shared, bef- you know, three or four different times this year. As we've shared that, we want you to be able to know what we're here for, what we're going to accomplish, what we're we've set out to accomplish, and you get behind that and be a part of it. But as I said. Seven different times in chapter 35, he talks about those with a willing heart and those whose heart stirred them. And then in chapter 36, um, there's a bunch of guys in here, I don't know how to say their names, so I'm going to skip over their names. And so Moses called those two guys, and every gifted artesian in whose heart, in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom everyone whose hearts was stirred to come to do the work and they received from Moses all verse 3 all of the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary so they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning free will free will offerings every morning they brought them. then all the craftsmen who were Doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary, and the people were restrained from bringing For the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, it was too much. Everybody say, too much. How many like too much? I mean, so when was the last time you heard someone in in the church world say, you know what? You need to quit giving. We're going to take a giving sabbatical for the next six months. Because there's just too much. And we don't know what to do with it and where, you know. But... Now, and 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 why did that happen? Why? Because the people, the people got a vision of what was important to God. His eyes and his heart are on and in his house. And the people got a vision of what that looked like. And they saw it. And it's just like... You know, different times in, in mine and Becky's life, we have given everything that we had. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm saying, I'm just giving you an example. Because we believed in what we were doing or, or two other churches that we were a part of before we came to Gates, here, before we came to Kerrville. And, and in those churches, we gave everything that we had because we believed in what they were doing. And you know what? Nobody else knew that. I'm telling you, years past, nobody else knew we gave everything we had. We gave everything we had because because we believed in it. I mean, it stirred us. And and what it did is it produced for us. There have been times that we had things that we sold because we we wanted to take something and sell it and get it into cash and put it into an offering or something that we had the opportunity to sow into because we believed in it. I mean, when you believe in something, and when your heart and the passion is there to do it, you'll do whatever it takes.. That's right. When I was a kid, and it was Saturday morning, and it was time, no school, it was time to go to the golf course. I was up before my dad was up. I mean, I was up. I mean, there was no sunlight outside, there was nothing. I was up. I was ready. But on those mornings when he wanted me to mow the yard, <laughs> mm, there just wasn't a passion for mowing. <laughs> Amen? But there was a passion for golf. I mean, there was a passion. I mean, I was just, it just oozed out of every pore of my body. And you know what? I was good. And I've got hundreds of trophies to prove that I was good because I had a passion Hmm? to this day I don't mow the yard real well at all (laughs) but I still mow it yeah but I watch other guys that can take those weed eaters and make them cut a line up against the sidewalk straight as an arrow and there's mine and I think I can do it. I mean, you know, I mean, I think I can do it. I got a good attitude, you know. I mean, I really don't want to be out there, but I got a good attitude, and at least it gets done, you know. And if, you, if you're just driving by, you can't tell the difference. But if you're walking by my house, man, look at that guy. What the crud. <laughs> Why? Because I never developed a passion for mowing. But to this day, I can hit a white ball. The other day I hadn't played in six months. And if you know anything about golf, I shot one under and not played for six months. And there's guys who give their right arm, leg, half their neck, <laughs> their other big toe on the other side if they could shoot that well. And I and sometimes I mean, you know, sometimes I, I don't play that well, but I, I can not even try and play well. Why? Because I had a passion. I had a passion. Hmm? And today. For the thirty-four plus years my wife and I have been married, we've always tithed and we've always sown seed. And when God asked something from us, and we saw that He was in it, and it was His desire, that's where our passion was. It's always been there—to serve God, to love God—and—and with great persecution. Amen. Because of it, and and I want to show you this today, and and. Hosts, we're, we're, we're going to receive this offering today, and I'm just going to give you a little instruction in it, but I want you to look at, as, as we receive this offering today, I want you to look at Mark chapter 10 and verse 29. I am through right now. Right, Pastor, right. No, I am. I really am. Mark chapter nine, uh, 10 and verse 29. So Jesus answered and he said assuredly I say to you there's no one who has left one translation says given no one who has given and that's what we're looking at today and actually that's what that what that means here because because this is the story of the the uh, of the rich young ruler that Jesus talked to about his giving, and his heart, and what had him wrapped up, and on the heels of that, he's making this point. Jesus saying, assuredly I say to you, there's no one who has given house or brothers, sister, mother, wife, children, lands, you can put anything in there for my sake in the gospel, who shall not receive a hundredfold now, in this time, houses, in other words, whatever you sow, you reap. So here's Jesus making a point, and I'm I'm making this point today as we honor God and as we sow. There is the ability to really believe that God is getting something to you because of the dividends that he's talking about right here. God is trying to get something to us through his economy And not take something from us. And it took me a number of years to really get that down in in my spirit that that's what it was about. And so today, because it's so real in me today, I can stand up here today and offer to you that sowing into this heart for the house offering at Gates of the City. God will use this ground that you're sowing into to produce 30, 60, and 100-fold in this life. And notice, notice what it said. I wish they would have left that part out. But notice, he said in verse 29, that he will not receive, or verse 30, a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, whatever it is that they sow into, with persecutions in this age and in the, in the age to come. So this reaping and receiving with persecution is something that we have to learn to withstand and deal with to be able to step into a world of dividends that goes totally beyond what the world can even think. And how do those dividends come? There are no Federal Reserve notes in heaven. God will not float you Federal Reserve notes out of heaven. It just doesn't happen. It comes in the form of opportunity and favor and blessing in ways that you would have never received, in the natural you would have never even dreamed of. And today, this is really strong in my heart. This morning as I was preparing, this was really strong, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm declaring this over each and every one of you today. Well, well let me say this before I declare this. You, 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 because we've talked about this for so long this year, many of you probably brought offerings. If you did, you, you brought those to sow. Something that you can do today, but it's something also that you can pledge today and pay it out through the year. Just make sure that in any offering in the, in the future that you put it in this year, you write you on their heart for the house, and that's where it'll go. You can pledge something today. You can even pledge something next week. Maybe this is been, you're sitting here for the first time, and you're going to think about this. That's fine. Because it, it, what it's about is giving you the opportunity for God's economy to get to you in in ways that it's never been before. And what was really strong today, and this is what I declare over each and every one of you, is that where there's been limitations in your thinking, because when you're limited in your thinking and you struggle in your thinking, it's very difficult for you to step out and do something by faith and have that expectation. When Dr. Avanzini shared couple of weeks ago on the precious offering the, the thing that is precious to you that was a beautiful word on, on that precious offering when you do something that moves you in honoring God it opens all of heaven to work on your behalf to see things positioned in the form of favor into your life and I know that works I've seen it happen time and time and time and time again in my life Not because I'm a pastor It happened to me more before I was a pastor. I saw opportunities and and, and things come my way. And I'm telling you today, as, as you choose and make a decision to sow into this offering, I believe it's destroying mindsets and it's also removing hindrances from the blessing of God getting to your life in Jesus' name. And where there's been things that, you've, that, that have blocked you, there's been blockers, things that have blocked the blessing of God getting to you, I believe that those things today are removed and beginning to be removed from here on out in your life as you walk it out. It's always something you have to walk out. It's not going to happen just you know because we want it to. happens because we receive it and we do something with it today is the first day in the beginnings of that happening as you make a choice to sow into this and 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 do it with purpose and passion and if it's not there you wait Say you know maybe it's another year before I'm ready then wait it's better that you wait than do something where there's not passion and and your heart is not in it but as you're doing it today I'm believing for those hindrances to be removed in Jesus' name. How many can say amen to that?